Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's work. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, good morning, Canton Church. How are you? Man, listen, I got to tell y'all, I was going to just come up here and go right into my sermon, but the Holy Spirit, man, that guy... He just threw one at me, man. It came in like a wrecking ball. And I got to just, I, I got to tell this story. This is fresh off the presses, all right? On Thursday, Thanksgiving, right? Now, I want to preface this by saying I'm a pretty good cook. I don't think that there's much that I can't cook, especially around the holidays. So this year, we just kind of wanted to chill a little bit. We, we cheated and got our turkey from honey baked ham. But, you know, there's one thing that you got to cook, and that's the sweet potato souffle. Come on now, somebody. Sweet potato souffle. So, you know, the topping on that thing, that's the most important part, right? So we had to do half this like little pecan praline sort, sort of a deal. Kids don't like that. So we've got three of those things. So we have to have mu- uh, uh, marshmallows on the other half. So I stuck these things in the oven and I'm like, you know what? I want to get this done fast. I'm just going to turn on the broiler. So I've been at this a few years, so I knew not to turn on high, turn on low. You know, when I turned around, I was doing something else, I'm like, man, this is taking a while. So I said, I'm going to turn it on high. It'll be all right. No big deal. Well, I turned it on high literally about 20 seconds later. I smelled smoke. I turned around. There's smoke coming out of the top part of my oven, and there's a fire in the box. Literally, I open my oven and my sweet potato souffle is on fire. Like I'm saying, I'm blowing. I'm like, <laughs> like trying to blow it, and I'm like, Matt, you dummy, you got to get away from the heat source. So I got in, I put the gloves on, pulled out, and then there's this big giant marshmallow that's on fire in my kitchen. Smoke alarms going off, smokes everywhere, and I thought, oh my gosh, we have become the Griswolds. So there, there's your funny story. It has absolutely nothing to do with the, uh, with, with the sermon today. I just thought that, you know, when that happened, I said, the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell something funny before we get going here, if this thing will stay up. All right, so now we'll get going. It was a long walk from Haran to Canaan. Abram got up that morning, and he had two things on his mind. He said... My dad, Tara, started this journey years ago. Now God has called me to finish it. I want us to take a look at the will of God through the life of Abraham this morning. You know, and through that, I I want us to see how he resolved to stay faithful to what God had called him to do no matter what. And when we, when we take a step back and look at this from, look at the big picture here, I think there's a question that just hangs over the story of Abraham like a dense fog. And that's this. How did Abraham really know what God wanted him to do? And I think everybody wrestles with this more often than, than we would uh, care to admit. You know, especially if you've been a Christian for a while, it's like, man, I want to know what God wants, wants me to do with my life. You know, even if you haven't met Jesus as your personal Savior, if you're listening to this, chances are that God is grappling with you to do something. And then, man, when, 
when you've known God and you've been at this thing for a while, man, sometimes figuring out exactly what God wants you to do, it can be, it can be frustrating sometimes. But on the flip side, it can also be the most beautiful, most peaceful, most comforting experience that you'll ever have. And I want to encourage you guys today, especially if you came in here today not knowing what God wants you to do about something. And I want you to leave with, by knowing this without a shadow of a doubt, that God has a purpose. He has a reason for your existence on this planet. And he wants you to know that he wants to communicate his will to you where you know it without a shadow of a doubt. And as we, as we take a look at Abraham here, I want you to view everything that I say through this lens. If God can do it for Abraham, he can do it for you. And when we're going through this, I've got five points that I want to share with you guys. I, I don't want you to put yourself in the shoes of Abraham, but I want you to put yourself into that point. Like view it, think about the things that God has been, te been telling you and really lean in here. You know, um, I think that you'll be blessed by doing that. Let's go right into the Bible here. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. It says this, The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. The first key to understanding what God wants you to do is you have to be listening. Now, you might, you might say to yourself, oh, yeah, Matt, I absolutely know, know that. Well, let's take a look at what's happening here in the life of Abraham. Okay, so Abraham's journey in Genesis chapter 12 started in Haran, but that's not where the whole thing started. Abraham was actually from a town uh, near the Persian Gulf, about 70 miles north of that thing, off the Euphrates River, called Ur of the Chaldeans. And if you go to Genesis 11, Terah, Abraham's father, originally got the call to go to Canaan. So when God said go, Terah was like, all right, let's go. Let's get the whole family up. Abraham, Sarah, Lot, all the cattle, all the employees, and let's go north. So they hugged the Euphrates River going north by northwest from southeastern Iraq all the way to southeastern Turkey to a city called Haran. In the Bible, it's H-A-R-A-N. Today, it's the city of Haran in Turkey, H-A-R-R-A-N. But they stopped there. Like, he didn't go any further. Now, there's, before we go judging Tara a little bit, there's a couple of things that might have hindered him from going to, to the Promised Land, to Canaan. The first thing is, it was about another 500 miles in a southwestern direction that, that way. So he's like taking his family, a bunch of cattle, everybody, and walked, walked 600 miles. So that would be like walking from here, from this spot, all the way down to West Palm Beach, Florida, or to Beaumont, Texas, or to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Most of you are out right there. They're like, I'm done. I'm not going any, I'm not going any further. 
You know, it also could have been that his whole life, Terah, he had lived in Mesopotamia. You know, the Fertile Crescent, going back to high school history or whatever. You know, throughout the whole journey, the Euphrates River had been part of everything that they had done. It had sustained life for him since he was a youngster. It might have been that Terah just didn't want to leave what was comfortable to him. We, we really won't ever know because Terah, he stopped in Haran. He died at the ripe old age of, two, of uh, 205. What I want us to get out of this, and remember we're talking about listening to God, is I think that Abraham was specifically poised to hear from God on this situation. I think that when Terah died, that Abraham, I, I could just, he was sad for his father. Don't, don't get me wrong there. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I think the whole time that he was in, in, in Haran, he was just saying, okay, God, when are we going to go to the promised land? When are we going to go to Canaan? So he was expecting to hear from God on this thing. And then when Genesis chapter 12 comes, when he finally gets the word, God says, Abraham, Abraham I want you to get out of the land of your fathers to the land that, that I will show you. He's like, yes, I'm ready to go, Lord. The thing that I want us to grasp right here is what if you began to go into your prayer life and your prayer closet with an attitude of expecting to hear from God? What if, I get it sometimes, we, we, we view God as like this big judge with a you know, big giant gavel and he's going to sit there and like smash us like gnats. That ain't it. God, let's get this straight. God sent his son Jesus on the earth 2,000 years ago to die on the cross so that he could be in relationship with us. That means he wants the lines of communication to be clear. That's key to any relationship, but in order for communication to take place, you can't just talk to, you have to hear from. Folks, God wants you to hear from him. Next time we go into that spot of devotion, I want you to go in boldly, approach the throne of grace with confidence because that's what God wants you to do. Because ultimately, God wants you to know the thing that he has planned for your life. It's not just some big secret thing. He's made you to do this certain thing, and he wants to communicate that to you. In order to hear that, you've got to go in with an attitude of expectancy that God is going to talk to you. So that's the first thing that you need to do. Listen. And G Jesus tells us in John 10, 27, that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. <coughs> Number two, you have to receive what you hear with faith. Now, everybody knows that Abraham was a man of faith. You know, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says, Abram believed God, and he accredited to him as righteousness. So now, I know you're, you're smart people, and you, you know that, that Abraham, he was a faithful dude. But when you, you think about it, you're, you're like, oh man, yeah, I know that Abraham was faithful because he like, kind of completed his father's journey. Well, I would submit to you that there's a reason why we don't find out that Abraham was actually called faithful until Genesis chapter 15 instead of Genesis chapter 12. 
That's because there's a few things happen between 12 and 15. The first thing is, Abraham didn't just complete the 500-mile leg of the trip. He completed about 2,000 miles all by foot again. He went from Haran down to Canaan, over to Egypt, back into Canaan, and into several places in there. So the dude's feet just, I just can't imagine, right? I mean, second thing, while they were in Egypt, his wife was taken into Pharaoh's court. Not because she was a good cook. Alright? That's, that's, that, that's pretty stressful, right? He got her back. Read your Bible. You'll figure it out. Then, on his way back, so it's Abram, and he's got his nephew Lot. They've got a lot of stuff. A lot of employees, a lot of cattle. Well, their employees can't get along. So Abram has to come to Lot, and they dissolve the partnership. He says, Lot, you go one, one way, I'm going to go the other. So his family is split because they can't get along. Then Lot somehow gets captured by another king. Abram has to jump onto the political scene here, form alliances in order to go get Lot, who left, who left him in the first place. You can't, get, you can't make this stuff up. And then... And, and then, so I think God is feeling the frustration in Abraham a little bit by chapter 15. So th this, is, this is how it starts. Chapter 15, verse 1. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Like, finally, right? Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant will be my heir. He's mad. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said this, This man will not be your heir. Be comforted, I added that. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, So shall your offspring be. Then Abram believed the Lord, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. So on top of everything, Abram's like 75 years old, older than that. When all this is taking place, he's 75 when he leaves Haran. And God's like, ah, don't worry about this man. And on top of that, you're going to have a kid. So I can just see Abraham just going out. He's like, oh, looking up at the stars. All right, God, I can't figure this out. Yep, I believe you. Whatever you want to happen is going to happen. But the most amazing thing, I, I, can, I can feel some frustration in Abraham here, but despite everything that he's gone through and the unforeseen road ahead, Abraham still believed God. And he received what God told him with faith. Guys, just because God calls us to something doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. You know, we, ha we have a thought or we get into a thought pattern sometimes that, that when we're doing the will of God, 
we're, we're somehow protected from going through stuff, well, that ain't it at all. You can be right smack dab in the middle of, in the middle of God's perfect will for your life, and you can experience heartache. You can experience loss. You can experience just bad stuff. And here's the reality is, like, between the place that you are and the destination that God is calling you, oftentimes there's not a storm between there. There's a hurricane. But the good news is, you're going to go through it, but God's going to be with you every step in the way. Because where there's a storm, he's with you in the boat and he can control the wind and the waves. You might be going through the valley of the shadow of death, but you fear no evil because he's leading you beside still waters. He's comforting your soul. You've got an amazing peace. Arrows might be flying all around you by night and by day, but it won't come near to you because God himself is your shield. You're going to go through it but he'll be with you. In order for God's will for your life to come pass, sometimes you just got to continue to believe what God told you when you were quiet and listening, even when you don't feel like it. Point number three. You have to prepare. You know, this is what the Bible says, Genesis 12, 4 and 5. So Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot with him. Abraham, Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all their possessions that they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and arrived there. Then Genesis 13, 2 says, Abram had been very wealthy in livestock, in silver, and in gold. You can even go back to Genesis chapter 11 and see where Terah had left Ur of the Chaldeans, and he had, a ton of, he had a ton of stuff. He had a ton of people, a ton of employees, a ton of cattle. Man, the, these folks, they, they were wealthy. The point is that this was an expensive trip, and God prepared them for this trip. And the point that I want you to get is that God will always provide preparation for your calling. You see, all over the Bible, God does this. He called David when he was a young teenager. He was 30 by the time that he assumed the throne because there was some stuff that he had to do. He had to grow. He had to go through several stages of preparation to get him ready for what God wanted him to do. We see the same thing in the life of Jesus. He didn't begin his public ministry till he was 30. And he was only here for three years. You know, we have a habit of taking the story of Abraham and just, just zeroing in on the faith aspect. And we use that Sometimes, nobody in this room does it at all. I just want to clear that. <laughs> but we, some, we sometimes use that to rationalize unwise decisions. And we think that if we say, oh, you know, we're just living in faith, so that's what God wants us to do. You might be absolutely right. But you know what? God might, God might want you to remain working in your place for three years to get ready for this. You know, we, I, I think this is where the devil attacks us sometimes 
because we get, we, we get the timing of God and the will of God confused sometimes. You know, if, if it doesn't happen in God's time, well, we, we think that, you know, somehow God hasn't called us to do it. But the fact is that our watches don't work the same way that God's watch does. You know, he's got a purpose for everything. You know, we, I, I used to hear a saying when I was a kid growing up in church, you know, it was like, you know, bless God, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Bless the Lord. And the reality of the situation is, if you're ever po poised with that question, does God qualify the called or does he call the qualified? The answer to that is yes. Think that over just a little bit. And here's a great example of preparation and how I believe that, I believe that preparing to do God's will, I, I think that, th that this can have can reap more benefits later on in your spiritual walk with God and in your everyday life than the mountaintops that we experience. You know, we've got three kids slash young adults on the mission field right now. All three of them had to raise thousands of dollars to do what God had called them to do. You know, so it wasn't an overnight decision for them. They, had, they, they came to the place where God spoke to their lives and said, this is what I want you to do. And they said, yes, God, I want to do that. And they took it upon themselves to prepare to do what God has called them to do. And I think that they're going to they're, they're have multiple great experiences. Their lives are going to be changed for that. But I think they're going to look back on this and see God's, God's favor in the way that they prepared and God's provision in that preparation. And I think that's going to go just as long, if not farther, than a lot of the experiences that they see on the mission field. God will prepare you when he calls you. Number four that goes right along with the preparation is you have to be patient. You know, these are, th these are flip sides of the same coin. You know, we talk, uh, I've been talking a lot about the age of Abram and, uh, you know, whom God later named Abraham. But he was 75 when he left Haran and in by, by the time that he had the heir, Isaac, he was 100 years old and his wife was 99 years old. And we read this story and we're like, well, you know, they lived like to 150 or something like physiology and anatomy and all that stuff. That was different back then. It was 2,000 years ago. Man, are you kidding me? Sarah when uh, up until the time that she had that that she had Isaac that she got pregnant, she is like, ha, baby, we ain't gonna have no baby. This guy, he's old, man. <laughs> no. And the Bible says that Abraham lived to be 175 years old. So, guys, here's here's the thing. God can do more in your life through patience and preparation than every win that you will ever experience. Like I said, this is where Satan will like to attack us because he will, it, it, it's the place, because it takes time, he will try to get us to believe that we're too late. That if this didn't happen by the time that I was 20, 
or by the time that I'm 30. Hold the clocks ticking now. Oh, if you didn't do do this or do that by, by this time, oh, you can't do it. Oh, but then there's a glimmer of light because you say, oh man, you know, 40 is the new 30. If I can just make, make it a 40, maybe God will do it there. And then 45 comes and 50 hits and the thing that God revealed to you when you were 16 years old at a camp somewhere or a service somewhere hasn't happened yet and you feel like an absolute failure. And the fact of the matter is that God's plan and purpose for your life is still going on. God, when God promises something, he always makes good on his promise. It might not be in our time, but it'll be in his time. God can do more with you and through you in 60 seconds than you can for 60 years. What we need to do when we're in these times of, we know that we've heard from God, but oh, we're in the preparation, we're in the patience phase, and nobody likes to be there. The thing that we have to do, we don't need to be looking at our watches and say, God, when is this going to happen? We need to be running with reckless abandon toward Him, reading our Bible and praying every day and getting as close to God as we possibly can, telling people about all the wonderful things that God is doing in our lives along the way until you get to where God wants you to be. God wants you to make a difference where you are. So you have to be patient. Now we're coming to the last point. The last thing is you have to stay connected. You know, God is the source of our power and strength. And Abraham, Abraham knew this. You know, all throughout, I, I love the account because it just seems like every, every chapter in the story of Abraham, he's having an intense conversation with God. You know, and sure, he messed up. Like, Abraham did a lot of stuff wrong along the way. But in the end, he knew where to take his burdens. He knew where to find grace to keep going. And that was in the presence of Almighty God. The most amazing thing about the story of Abraham is he was just like you and me. And we forget that, guys, that the Bible, the Bible is not a book of superhuman, you know, Hercules-type people. The Bible is a book of normal people like you and me that just made themselves available to an extraordinary God. And God did his will through them. You know, because God, because Abraham knew where the power to get all this stuff accomplished in his life, because he knew where that was, sure, there was lying, there was deceit, there was stuff along the way life happened guys but God gave Abraham the, the grace to listen to have faith to prepare to be patient and then to stay connected with him and because of that 
This is the legacy that Abraham left. Hebrews chapter 11, 8, 10, and 10 and 12. By faith, Abraham, when called to go into a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him for the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. You know, at the beginning, at the beginning of the message, I told you guys that I want you to view this through the lens that if God can do it for Abraham, he can do it for me. Now, I want to pray with you. I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. I want to pray very specifically for people that are experiencing two scenarios right now. Number one, if you have if you have given up on what God has called you to do, you just, for whatever reason, just don't think it's going to happen. I want you to raise your hand. Now, I want you to raise your hand if you're on the precipice of giving up. You, you just think that it's too great. And you, just, you just don't feel like you have the strength to go on anymore. I want you to raise your hand. Anybody? I saw a hand go up. There's another hand. A few hands going up. So everybody else, let's just join together. I, I want to pray a prayer of encouragement over everybody, but I want to especially pray for those people that are, that, that are feeling discouraged right now. For whatever reason, they just, they, they're not feeling like that God's will for their life is going to happen or it can happen or they've just given up. And they're just so frustrated. Guys, let's just unite together and pray for those people. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that you have given us your word to encourage us, Father, to see that you can do great things through ordinary people. God, and I just pray for everybody under the sound of my voice, Lord. I thank you that you have called them, that you've got a purpose for their life, God. You've got it laid out for them, God. I just pray that you would just instill them with faith and encouragement that you are not done. They've still got a chance. Father, you will perform your word in their life and for their life. God, I pray that just supernatural encouragement would just begin to flow over the people right now that are feeling depressed and just downtrodden, Father, and that the enemy may be attacking. Lord, we just rebuke that in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray that your spirit would just flow over this place like a river. Father, and that we would just catch hold of the things that you have for us the good things that you want for our lives, dear Heavenly Father. God, and I pray that you would help us to leave this place with an emboldened spirit that says, I can.
because you can. Help us to have the faith of Abraham no matter what. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga. 